Hello, and welcome to our episode on the origins of baseball. This is the preamble. I'm Ian. And I'm Patrick. Preambling. <laughs> yeah, preambling. Is that what it's technically called? I preamble? don't know. Preface? It's our episode preface of verbal preface. Introduction. I think I looked it up and preamble worked. But yeah, no, whatever. I'm sticking pre. I'm, I like preamble. Sure. Ian wants to learn. What does preamble mean? <laughs> Would it be? I, I just really quickly want to put this out there. Would it be too painful for us to do an episode on Ian wants to learn how to make a successful podcast? It's too late. That too, it's too late. Too, <laughs> <laughs> I'll never learn. You should have done that before. That should have been her first episode. Yeah. I or think it, or I, it'll be our last episode. I think it's better. <laughs> That's a good idea. I think it's better you don't know, because then it would prove that you don't actually learn anything if I told you how to make one, and then we are And we podcast. didn't make a successful one. <laughs> yeah, it continues to be not successful. Well, the show's called Ian Wants to Learn, so maybe it's Ian Wants is learning how to make a podcast. Okay. Anyway, so <laughs> the episode that you're about to hear was recorded July 16th of 2021. During last year's baseball season, the intention was to release it along with the opening of this year's baseball, which was originally going to be, I believe, March 30th. But thanks to the baseball strike, it is now April 7th. So you will have a whole two weeks, basically, to listen to this episode to get you ready for baseball. Do you like baseball? It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, I like to go to baseball. Yeah, that's one of the sports I would rather go see. It's yes. not. A, it's much more fun to see in person. I mean, I don't mind watching it if if someone wants to watch it or it's on. But I, I, I don't get any of the excitement I feel like you get when you're there. Like if somebody makes a big play when you're there, it's really cool to see. But when you see it on TV, I don't know. It just feels very d- detached. I don't know. But ba- baseball is very much an in person. Like the wave. I love the wave. I mean, that happens at all. <laughs> Sporting events, but who doesn't enjoy a good wave? The wave is fascinating because how many times can you get the wave to go around the stadium? And sometimes it's an impressive amount of times, but then you start asking yourself if I don't know how many like extended waves you've been in, but it does get to a point where you're like, all right, I'm ready for this to wind down. Uh I don't want to be the guy that winds down, but I kind of don't want to stand up right now. (laughs) I don't know. You know, the wave is fun. I, I mean, part of me is like, well, it keeps going because you're watching baseball and everybody's bored. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they want to do. Yeah, right. Give it something to do. <laughs> They're like, well, I'll just keep it going because there's nothing happening. But I kid I kid any baseball fans that might actually listen to this. There aren't any. There are no baseball fans. Although this episode <laughs> was quite interesting. I learned a lot about the origin of baseball. It was way more interesting than I expected. Yes. Yes. The origin of baseball is actually kind of interesting. It makes... It doesn't make baseball more interesting, but but the origin story is kind of interesting how it came to be because it's such an odd sport. Yeah, and like the weird rules and stuff, that, that part mm-hmm. was, was very entertaining to me. So hopefully yeah. they'll, they'll enjoy that. I hope so. And so a few of the things that we touch on in this episode that we can update you on since July of, of last year. First, and thankfully this episode's airing after our UFO episode, uh, Congress released their UFO report after we did our UFO episode. They listened to us. To what we demanded. Or I think it was already scheduled, so never mind. Anyway. <laughs> yes. There was nothing. But you can Google it, I'm sure. But there was nothing that you didn't learn from us that you would have learned from the report. I don't think there was anything groundbreaking in it. We were ahead of the curve, for sure. We were, were always ahead of If you people knew 
how ahead of the curve we were last year, you'd be impressed. Mm -hmm. But everything's coming out a year later, so it's not that impressive. (laughs) (laughs) We discussed an invisible sculpture put out by, I forget the guy's name, an Italian sculptor. And I do some amazing Italian accents in this episode. (laughs) Just, Just be prepared for that. But something I learned is that his was not the first invisible sculpture. There's a guy named Eve Klein who had an invisible sculpture in 1958. Wow. And a handwritten receipt from him for the invisible sculpture recently sold for, I believe, $550,000. Was it an NFT? It was not an NFT. It was just, it was the physical receipt. I know. That's, if, if it was an NFT, it would have been like an NFT of the original NFT, where it's just like a receipt of a thing that doesn't even exist. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I mean, I guess you could argue at least you're buying the artist's signature with, with this one. Right. Uh, I think it's because they lost the invisible sculpture, so they just got the receipt. It might be hard to find. Yeah, I could see losing it. We also discussed NFTs briefly in this episode, and we discussed gross bananas, so oh, that's yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say one of the biggest things we talk about in this episode is is John Hinckley, who had started releasing music last summer on his way to freedom. And in September of 2021, a judge said come June 4th, 2022, he will be granted unconditional release. And I think we discussed that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I just want to read this quote from the Washington Post. In a statement, the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute said Monday that it, quote, is saddened to hear of this decision. Contrary to the judge's decision, we believe John Hinckley is still a threat to others, and we strongly oppose his release. Our hope is that the Justice Department will file a motion with the court leading to a reversal of the decision. Like, what? Who's he a threat to? He apologized to Jodie Foster. He apologized to the three people he shot. He's just a crazy guy who likes to sing songs now. Mm-hmm. And you will hear one of those songs, a piece of one of those songs in this episode. Yeah, when you mentioned about him, I I had thought of he recently tweeted that he co-wrote a song with Devo, and he was wondering why he hasn't gotten royalties in thirty five years. Apparently, the song is called "I Desire." It's on their album "Oh No, It's Devo." So he he's listed as the song's co-writer along with Devo's founders. But it was basically they took poems of his about Jodie Foster that had been published. They took a couple lines from one of them and put it in a song. And they basically, I don't know, they just thought it was like funny or weird or interesting. And yeah, so he's wondering why he didn't get any royalties. Apparently there was, he was, there was a check that was issued to him that was sold on eBay and it was for royalties, but apparently it was. Who sold it on eBay? I don't know. It's just, it's just. Did it never make it to him? No, no, I guess it never made it to him. But it was supposed to be about, I guess, his poem being reprinted in like print editions of stuff from like the Warner music that, huh. that owned their music. But when the song came out, when that album came out, he requested that song on a Dallas radio station morning show. He requested that song be played 58 times each day. Hinkley, he was like calling in, but you mentioned Reagan. He reportedly described the Reagan assass- assassination attempt as the quote, greatest love offering in the history of the world. Not long after the shooting. I think that's still true the greatest love offering in the history of the world yeah Ah! he almost killed reagan for us (laughs) he almost did it (laughs) so then it's almost the greatest (laughs) yeah it's it you know he didn't succeed so it's not a very well he's the greatest love offering he tried to get him it was a great offering i feel like yeah all right (laughs) 
I mean, I know he meant it for Foster, but I meant it as, you know. Right, for the American people. For, for the earth. For the world, yeah. really. So, yeah. And I'll put something on our Instagram story with, with that song, because you can access it on the Instagram. I'll have to try to, to tweet Sweet it. IG story. Ian tells me i got to tweet more, so I'll do that. Yeah. Also, oh, you found a very amusing picture that we'll make sure goes on Twitter of, of the Newsweek article. <laughs> About John Hinckley. I, I mean, it's not that important, but I, I could throw it up there. Basically, there's an yeah, article about celebrity wedding dresses, and it's a lady with her tits out. Like, they're just... So... Yeah, it's weird. Celebrities get married with their boobs out for the world to see. Sure. Why not? Yeah, I don't know. Enjoy this episode of Ian Wants to Learn. And enjoy baseball. Enjoy baseball. Now that it's starting back. Starting April 7th. Yeah. yeah. Enjoy millionaires hitting balls with sticks. Yes. With billionaires' blessing now. Apparently. Exactly. Of course. Yeah. Now it's okay. Yes. Say okay. Go to the ballpark. <laughs> buy some peanuts and Cracker Jacks. Give them more money. Maybe buy a hat and a jersey and a bat and a ball. And, uh, you know, be American. Sure. Bye. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Enjoy. Hi, and welcome to Ian Wants to Learn. I'm Patrick. And I am Ian. And I want to learn. What do you want to learn about today, Ian? Today, I would like to learn about the origin of baseball. 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 And why do you want to learn about this? Well, I didn't watch Ken Burns baseball. (laughs) So uh, I guess that would be why. Or maybe I did when I was... I mean, I don't know when Ken Burns baseball came out, but... I feel like I did watch it when I was, what, like five? What year? I should look up what year that came out, but <laughs> probably I don't remember. I want to know the origin of sports, uh, any sport, and baseball. You pitched this a while ago. Yeah. And yeah. why, what, like, I guess what drove you to be like, oh, I don't know where baseball comes from? Uh, baseball, 1994. So I was 10 when I watched it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't remember it. I feel like when I watch sports that I enjoy, football, baseball, basketball, I guess hockey sometimes, you know, sports. Oh, yeah, sports. Yeah, sports. Uh, there's a level of who the fuck created this? This is the stupidest. Like baseball is people have seen the when people try to explain baseball to a foreigner or someone who's never heard of baseball. Mm-hmm. And it's such an odd. Sp- it's like who it feels like it started as something fun. Like, let's hit a ball and run around. And then they added in like, well, let's have walks and three strikes and four balls and a full count and a catcher and a pitcher and three outfielders and four guys on the inside and a shortstop. Got to have a shortstop and make sure there's a foul line. The ball can't go too far to the right or else then that doesn't count, even though we hit it that far. Or a bunt. Let's have a bunt. I feel like it's not too far removed from a lot of sports. I mean, you think about tennis. It's like, okay, well, you hit the ball, but then it's like, okay, well, if you hit the ball and it goes out, then you score. Well, do you score a point? No, you score 15. Okay, well, do you get 15 points? No, you're at 15, but you don't get a point until you get to, what is it, ace? It's like 15, 30, 40, 15, 30, 40, I think. You need to win like two more than the other or something Right, like but the numbers go know. like 15, 30, 40. I don't even think it makes any sense. So why why didn't you research tennis? I want to know where tennis came from too. All the but sports. But what I'm saying is like. Because I said baseball? Well, no. I just. I <laughs> Baseball is, is a good pick because it's like very basic. It's yes. America's pastime, that sort of thing. Sure. But, but I just feel like you're, when your question is like, who came up with these weird rules? I'm like. Well, where did. where What, what spawned it? What was the creation of baseball? I mean, again, any sport 
for me is is interesting it's its origins but baseball's such an odd sport and it's such a it isn't and yet it could be considered one of the lesser athletic sports <laughs> you know i mean let's how many how many baseball players have been a bit overweight uh-huh. you know and and yet they're still considered they still have the i'm not saying you don't need some level of skill to play baseball you certainly do i couldn't i can't hit a 100 mile fastball but but i i just mean like you don't have to you look at a soccer player, a football player, and they they're running many miles. I'm trying to, you know, for everybody. Yeah. They're running many miles a game. They're running back and forth and back. Yeah. Basketball back. Did you ever play soccer when you were a kid? That's just exhausting. Oh, of course. Yeah. Very exhausting. Yeah, I, I think that they were able to do it like overweight, like babies. I think because they did a lot of cocaine, so that helps. You can hit a you can hit a ball way <laughs> way farther, even if you're not exactly in shape. <laughs> when you're on coke, yeah. Well, I think fat might actually help you or hit. Whatever, yeah. Maybe you could probably hit better when you got them big. Them. Look at my arms; these big fat arms. <laughs> I could swing the old pine like a champ. Oh my god! All right, so we'll we'll Is get that what into they that. Say? Swing the pine. Uh, sure. I don't know. I didn't look that up. So we talked about presidential assassinations and attempts. We did, and we both recognized that once again something we talked about was in the news. I know. John Hinckley Jr., after 35 years of institutional psychiatric care before leaving in 2016, he went viral earlier this week for his YouTube channel where he garnered thousands of views and uh, he was covering songs by Bob Dylan, Elvis Presley, and he won himself a bit of a following. He did. I read, this is from the Rolling Stone, by the way, and he, apparently he got, you have to get permission to like make money. Yes. Oh, on YouTube? No, not just like from a judge. He had to go oh. like, get permission to be able to like make music and make money off of it. Like, I think if you want to make money off something, they have to make sure that you're okay, that you're not going to use it to, you know, enact violence or I don't know. Basically, he had to get permission to do this. And the judge gave him permission. He was evaluated by people and they were like, yeah. And they also, he got permission to make money off art on Etsy. He has art on Etsy if you want to buy his art. Well. I'll, I'll bet people do. I think that's, I didn't know that he had to get. Is that for just X fell or his specific case is a you need to get a judge to sign off on making money kind of thing? I, I don't know. I, I mean, okay. I imagine it could be partially because he was released after institutional care. Yeah. And it might be, you know, anybody who was after a long period of time, but it might also be because of his, you know, notoriety. I did like that. You know, a lot of people liked his songs. Yeah. I heard one. It's not terrible. Rolling Stone said that some people snarkily put in requests for covers of assassination themed songs, such as I Shot the Sheriff, which I thought was quite funny. <laughs> okay. You said you, you listened to some of it. Now, I, I haven't listened to any of it. Well, I can play you one of his songs. The song is called Everything is Gonna Be All Right. Okay. Like the cover? Or is it like... I think it's an original song. It is an, It says it on YouTube. John Hinckley sings... Everything's oh, okay. gonna be all right. An original song. Maybe this was a song he sang to himself while in prison or mental prison. <laughs> right. Wait, I mean, <laughs> I'm in mental prison. I mean, it's it's kind of mental prison because he can't leave <laughs> his brain. No, he can't. I, we could also right. listen to Majesty of Love. I don't know if you have a preference. I'm sure there's Whatever. more, but I, those I are the care. two. Those are the two I see here. Everything is going to be okay. Was a week ago. Majesty of Love was seven months ago when they were posted. And so, so oh wow, and so time. yeah, and Majesty of Love only has 1.8 thousand views, while Everything's Going to Be All Right has three thirty six thousand views. Okay, so that's the bigger one. Let's listen to that. The bigger then. one, the, the recent one. All right, here we go. So this is Everything's yeah. Going to Be All Right by John 
Hinkley. No junior listed, just John okay. Hinkley. Hello again. This is another original song of mine. There ain't nothing wrong with the rain. And he's just like sitting in a room playing this, right? Yeah. All right, you can end it. I enjoy it. It's a very sort of folky. I get the folks, folk aspect. Yeah. I don't know. It's pleasant. You know, it's weird. So apparently he's working on an album. Sure. He's looking for a label. Okay. Of course. Why not? And you know how people who are in entertainment art, when they make a comment that causes them to get canceled, they say something that's offensive, right? Right. Generally. Because they say something that people are like, oh, that's a, that's a horrible thing to say. Yeah. And then we get canceled, they get fired, they get, you know, dropped from their agent or whatever. a movie yeah. or whatever. Here's a guy who literally attempted to murder multiple people, including yep. a president. Yep. And even though, yes, that was 35 plus years ago, 40 years ago now, he gets to come back and people are like, oh yeah, sounds good. And they're like, oh, let's look for a label. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just seems a little odd where it's like. You know, yes, people say horrible things, and I agree, we should never have to listen to them again. But at the same time, I'm like, do I really need to listen to to John Hinckley Jr., a guy who terrorized a 12-year-old girl for most of her teen life and attempted to murder multiple people? Now, granted, Ronald Reagan had had it coming, but, (laughs) you know, maybe the other guy... Brady didn't. Or, but in know. a way, don't we have him to thank for the Brady bill? Brady hadn't gotten shot in the head. Yeah, I guess, you know. You know what? That, I guess that makes Brady like the ultimate pussy, right? Because he <laughs> caved in to the terrorists. Because he was like, you know, real men are like Scalisi. They take the bullet and they get worse, right? They're like. He did get worse. Oh, yeah. It's maybe. Like, maybe Brady oh, is, not, is the I'm ultimate. I'm not going to go for gun control. Let's. We need more guns. I, I think that are. guy that shot me should have had two guns to finish the job. That's a real man. Yeah. The other, I, the other thing that came out. Oh. Okay, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think Hinckley's someone who's very interesting to watch in just what you said. He tried to kill the president and wasn't put to death, only went to like a mental institution and is now out. to. Some, I mean, I feel like he's never not going to be watched by some sort of law enforcement institution. But that being said, like, it, it's going to be interesting to watch, like, how is our culture on forgiveness, if you will? I don't know. I'm sure there are people out there who are just enraged at the fact that he's doing this, but you don't have to listen to him if you don't want to. I mean, you know, it's it's like that's the... I mean, I just forced you to listen. I, I guess, guess it's but. the argument that of people who say horrible things. Right. It's like, okay, should they be given that platform? Should he be allowed... Right. To go and make a career of being, you know, a public figure again, I guess. Yeah. Obviously very small time, but it's gotten quite a bit of press. People sure. know he's out there and yep. he's singing, you know, songs and stuff like that. So, I, I mean, I'm with you on forgiveness. He's also mentally ill. I mean, there's that level. Right. Well, so presumably he's well, was, better he now. He was. And, and, you know, couldn't you argue that he wasn't in the right mind when he did a lot of that stuff and now he's been treated he understands how to deal with it you'd hope and isn't going to try and kill somebody i mean i i can't imagine jody foster's leaping to listen or brady his songs seem very (laughs) peaceful maybe i don't know i mean i i play music i have to feel like it's an outlet for him maybe Mm -hmm. it helps him look i i mean i agree forgiveness i just i don't know it's just interesting to think about as sad as it is, I will probably never be as famous as he is. As no, a, as a no, you. Well, so hey, maybe, maybe through this, uh, you will rocket to fame. <laughs> What's that, Jimmy Fallon's on the phone? 
That's right. I went to Jimmy. No, I have a kid, so all 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 dreams are dead. Uh, <laughs> I, it's true. The other thing that this week was that UFO report yes. came out. Yes, it did. Department of Defense and all those. It just says that basically nothing new. We're not getting anything interesting no on this. There's. I, I feel like what we're getting is is what we've already pretty much disseminated, and it sounds like you know everybody's pushing hard on the government or Chinese government technology possibility. I think that the next goal, if they're taking evaluation of these seriously, I think that the next goal should be a, to figure out a way to capture something, design some type of technology to capture a small, you know, flying vessel, even a drone, right? A regular drone, or we should need to shoot one down. How very American of you. And then shoot her down. Well, I, I get the guns. That way we can analyze the, the wreckage. And possibly I the mean, bodies inside. I mean, like the middle of the ocean. Just start firing rockets at them. <laughs> Maybe they're faster Blow than rockets. Up. Okay, well, at least we made the attempt. <laughs> anyway. You're like the so you're, like, <laughs> you're like the people in uh, Indo- the movie Independence Day when they like nuke a city to get the thing and it doesn't work. It's like, well, <laughs> we tried. Can't go back to that city for a few thousand years now. What Independence yeah, Day? Yeah, Independence Day. They launch a nuke at one of the ships. Did they and it, nuke a city? No, well, they nuke a ship and it doesn't work, and the nuclear fallout in the city right. would. Have, I'm just. All right, it wasn't a good. <laughs> oh, can I uh, talk about this little story real quick? What story? I found a, a yeah. little story about an artist. An Italian artist auctioned off an quote invisible sculpture for eighteen thousand three hundred dollars or fifteen thousand euros. It's made literally of nothing. Quote, it is a work that asks you to activate the power of the imagination. End quote. Salvatore Garau said of his sculpture. You know, if an invisible sculpture is worth 15,000 euros, then my daughter makes amazing invisible sculptures because she uses the power of her imagination all the time. And I don't know why I can't yeah. sell that. Uh, marketing, I guess. I guess. I mean, maybe he's done actual art before. I don't know him. I mean, that's art. His, you're, you're trying to tell me that's his not immaterial, art? His immaterial sculpture. I am I am trying to tell you that that's not art. That's just <laughs> bullshit. Like, he sold a lot of bullshit. How do you know the art isn't the performance of this? Because I'm paying 15,000 euro to what? Bring it home? <laughs> maybe he's working in... Because ta- new... Okay. Modern artists, they do this yes. shit. He could be coordinating with the other guy. What other guy? Oh, the guy who bought this it. And say... Let's get the reaction out of people. Let's see what how people react to this. So, so, and then that's the my art. reaction right now. It's like a performance. My artist. reaction is what they is is what he's going for. This is the sweet, sweet smell of successful <laughs> art right here. Yeah. Just some guy bitching about it. I just the sweet smell of trolling. I mean, it certainly could be. We we talked about modern art before. I I like modern art because I like that the artist basically gets to just say, I don't know, I made it. Now you figure sure. it out. Like we talked about, if you have like a blank canvas. And you sell it and you're like, it's just a blank white canvas. What is that? Everybody debates about it. And the artist could just be like, I just, I just threw that all together. And now you all have to think about it. Some more quotes from him, which is titled Io Sono, which translates to I am, finds its form in its own nothingness. Quote, the vacuum is nothing more than a space full of energy. And even if we empty it and there is nothing left, according to the Heisenberg uncertainty principle that nothing has weight, has a weight. Therefore, it has energy that is condensed and transformed into particles. That is, into us. Lasona went up for sale. See, like, how is that not, A, a performance, or B, a troll? Because none of that's real. Well, apparently it went on, uh, the pre-sale estimate valued the piece 
at 6,000 euros to 9,000 euros, but competing bidders pushed the price tag to 15,000 euros. So it wasn't, I don't think this was just two dudes that, or dudes and gals that got together. There were multiple people. Is there like an NFT for this? I, it doesn't. Where that guy who bought it can say that I own this fake The lucky buyer art. went home with a certificate of authenticity and a set of instructions. Okay, so he does have a certificate. So it is kind of like an NFT. Uh, yeah, if anything, it's more valuable than an NFT because he actually has, like, a paper. The work, per Garau, must be exhibited in a private house in a roughly five-by-five-foot space free of obstruction. <laughs> I just, I'm sorry. I guess when you've got that kind of money, you have a five-by-five space in your house that you're just like, oh, hey, you see that, see that empty space by the window? That's imagination. <laughs> That's me. That's I am. Yeah. That's... Uh, I'm going to read this next quote. I'm going to try to do it in that's, an that's Italian accent. Uh, when I decide to exhibit an immaterial sculpture <laughs> in a given space, the space will concentrate a certain amount of a density of thoughts at a precise point. Creating a sculpture that, from my title, will only take the most varied forms. I'm a Mario. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was not i guess good but i i also feel like this is a money laundering scheme like he needed to get fifteen thousand dollars to this guy and he was and someone was like well what was this fifteen thousand euros for and he said oh he bought art that was what it was for look there's a certificate and everything See? <laughs> and it's displayed in a five it's by not, five space nothing, an unobstructed five by five there's nothing space. illegitimate about this it's completely <laughs> no. above board i mean we've argued too before we talked about how rich people have too much money yes. Like, I think that's the whole thing behind NFTs mm-hmm. being so much, selling for so much money is that it's basically a certificate that you own something. Yeah. And it's just rich people having so much money. They're like, oh, yeah, I'll I'll spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to to tell people I own a thing. In a way, this uh, is like a... Because that's really what it's all about, right? This is like an OG like NFT. owning famous art. Yeah. It's just having it and saying, look what I spent a million dollars on or 15,000 yeah. euros. Yeah, look what I own. Yeah, and you don't. Yeah. It's the same way they get like antiquities oh i own this ancient egyptian whatever vase or something and they like display it on their house and then you go to like a museum and it's like oh it was donated by the wolfenfaffer family you know oh, the who pillaged the pyramid back in you know centuries ago so yeah it's just really all about them owning something so i guess this is really you know it works out yeah. Makes last sense. quote i'll read from him and i'll do it don't worry in the accent <laughs> please yeah if you thought that was artsy claptrap, he goes on to draw a rather lofty comparison to the work. After all, don't we shape a god that we've never seen? So he's got a point. You know, in a way, his art is god. You don't see right. it, but it exists. He basically is like, I created a god, yeah. right? It is a made of air and a spirit. It is a work that asks you to activate the power of imagination, a power that anyone has, even those who don't believe they have it. So you really just... Oh, wait. That's about something else. I think we're good. Yeah, we're good on that. But there was, you know, it's just on the Italian. It's just, I remember reading about another piece of artwork that somebody just put a banana on display. That was the artwork, Mm -hmm. or they taped it to a wall, and that was the art. And then somebody ate the banana. Did we talk about that? Absurd. (laughs) No, but I think I remember reading that. Anyway, modern art is. I mean, if that's real, then I made art when I put the banana on the floor when we lived. And I added to it when I jumped on it and. (laughs) <laughs> let it rot for the rest of the year under a towel. I want to elaborate for anybody who may, who is listening here that may not know this, um, all, all zero people, that you would have, I mean, no less than three alarms 
trying to wake you up in the morning. And then somehow you had this idea, you were on a top bunk and I was on a lower bunk, that you needed to jump down from it. Like, you wouldn't take the ladder down. You had to jump down at 8 o'clock in the goddamn Usually morning. Usually because I was running late, not out of convenience. I didn't like jumping down. I just had to get down quickly. I No, I thought you did it because you were like, oh, it's like another way to wake up. It, like forces That you sounds to like wake. something I would say. Yeah, I don't okay. specifically so remember not, yeah. that, but you're not. Necess- I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> I feel like the idea of me jumping out of bed probably would have been like, well, that'll wake you up. So I had a banana under dirty laundry, like you do, on the floor. This didn't happen just once. Yeah. Well, you only crushed no, one. No, I crushed more than one. There was only one that we didn't clean up. So. I think I did land on a banana twice. Like on two different occasions. I don't think I so. I think so. Well, anyway. I don't think so. Or the other one wouldn't have been so bad. Maybe you like grazed it. I don't know. But I feel like I landed on multiple clean. fruits. Anyway. <laughs> you had a banana under, was it under dirty laundry or under a towel? It was under, well, I, it, I think it was eventually, I cleaned the shirt <laughs> and it was under, I put a towel over yeah, it. I jumped out of bed and landed on the banana, which opened up said banana. And I don't know if I, I, I assume I noticed it in the morning, but didn't have time to clean it up because I was probably running late. And then neither of us. You were going to clean it up. It was my banana. You'd be like, fuck <laughs> well, you, clean it I up. Would. I was late, but I wasn't going to yeah. clean it up. Uh, and then uh, you decided yeah, not, not to clean it up either. <laughs> we got rid of the peel. Yeah. The peel was taken care of, but the rest of the banana wasn't. Yeah. And we sort of forgot about it for a little bit. And then we're like, oh, we need to double check this banana situation. And we took the towel off and it smelled just terrible if i recall correctly so we just put the <laughs> towel back down this is like the first semester yeah i sprayed some axe body spray i had axe body spray <laughs> and then we and we just let it sit <laughs> for the rest of the it. year i don't think we took that towel off so that towel i guess didn't get used again the rest of the year we no, did not i probably threw probably. it away at the end of the we year. removed the towel at the end of the year to to investigate and the smell was gone and the banana was, I think, pretty easy to clean up, wasn't it? It was, it had dried out to the point. I had to get like a, a carpet cleaner, but yeah. And people in our hall came by to look to witness. Well, it was a big. Uh, the everybody knew about the banana in our hallway because it was like, why didn't you clean yeah. up? We took pride for some reason in not cleaning up the banana. You know, that's the that's not the only gross banana related story from my adolescence. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm listening. I used to drive a truck. And there was like a middle, like a, you know, like your feet and there's uh-huh. like a bump and then there's the passenger feet, yeah. that little middle part yeah, of the, the car. I put a banana there and I left it there for months <laughs> and I got to watch it slowly rot. Did you have a fruit then, fly problem? It, no, it was in a car. Fruit flies can still access dying fruit. Like they're not, they're not <laughs> like stuck in couldn't. kitchens. Ah, we can't leave the I, kitchen. I'm, I mean, I guess it didn't. I don't know. But eventually it, it just dried out and it looked like a banana peel, even though there was a banana. It was a full banana. It was never opened. <laughs> and people would get in the car and they'd be like, what is that? How long has that banana peel been there? And I'm like, oh, that's a full banana. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> and even some people, they'd be like, well, I'm surprised it doesn't smell. And I'm like, it's been here so long. It has dried out and has no smell. We we take pride in odd things. Yeah. yeah. So baseball. We're pretty dumb. <laughs> so baseball. Yeah. So let's learn about baseball. In 1903, a British sports writer wrote an article saying American baseball derived from a British game called Rounders. A baseball executive, Albert Spaulding, disagreed, saying it was American, it began in America, profoundly American sport, right? So these Mark. two guys appointed yeah. a commission headed by different sports executives who took three years to look into oh, it wow. and figure out who created three baseball. years. Yeah. Three years. Wow. 
And they didn't even come up with the right guy. (laughs) Oh, all right. So they claimed Abner Doubleday invented baseball in Cooperstown, New York in 1839. Okay. So Cooperstown, New York is where the Baseball Hall of Fame is. Mm-hmm. I've been there. I mentioned once before, and Abner Doubleday is a name that is like around. I went to a distillery. They have like an Abner Doubleday booze. I, I forget what it was. Whiskey. Got to cash in. Well, it's just like a big, you know, because it's a touristy small town. Because it's Cooper's. There's like nothing there other mm-hmm. than the Hall of Fame. So it's no- notorious for baseball. He was anointed as the father of baseball 15 years after he was dead. <laughs> Okay. And according to a historian, he would have been surprised to be named the father of baseball. Like he he wouldn't have had any inclination that he invented baseball. <laughs> uh, he wasn't even apparently very athletic. All right. So not athletic, lived in Cooperstown, maybe didn't invent baseball. Yeah, I don't even think he was from Cooperstown. I think he was just there. But the myth came from a Colorado mining engineer who said he was present at a schoolboy game where Doubleday drew in the dirt a diagram for a ball game. The game was very similar to a game that had been played in many localities for probably 100 years. Baseball likely had its origins in the early 1800s, possibly as a mashup of a variety of different stick and ball games. So baseball was likely a mashup of like different games that people would play with a stick and a ball that had been around for centuries. So proto-baseball games include cricket or rounders in England, even games played in ancient Egypt, Mayan tribes, France some different games but the english story is most plausible it could be just because you know racism but critics of the commission contended that it was a different guy alexander cartwright and the knickerbocker baseball club founded in new york in 1845 Ah. that baseball club gets the credit for rules outlining it's like a 20 rule thing where it set foul lines the paces between bases the limit of three outs eliminated the dodgeball style rule that you could get a runner out if you hit him with the ball oh oh see i've always (laughs) wondered why you couldn't do that so that is an official yeah. rule. You cannot throw a ball at. <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently they used to do that. Oh, at the batter, not at the runner or the batter. Sorry, did you say? Well, I, I, no, I think it was like the runner. Oh, the runner. Yeah, like, yeah. Okay, if yeah. You, if you hit. I've, I've always felt if they got hit by the ball, it's like, well, you should be out then. If you touch the ball in any way, you should be out. But I guess injuries. Yes. <laughs> well, that's an element of this we'll get into. But basically, they just there's different things. And then this club. The Knickerbocker Baseball Club in New York was like, okay, let's start setting up these rules and we'll play this game. That was one of them because I guess people had used to throw the ball at the runner to get him out. Yeah. And they they stopped doing that. So, Well, let me just say, all these baseball players today, they're soft. Soft. You can't take a throw when you're running. Pansies. Yeah. <laughs> I only like the old school pre-1845 <laughs> baseball where you could hit a man in the head with a ball while he's running. Yep. And get him out. And get a beer afterwards. And get a beer afterwards. June 1846, the rules were used in a game between the Knickerbockers and a cricket team in New York called the New York Nines. And that's credited as the first official game of baseball. Obviously, it's even so related to cricket that the first game was a cricket team was one of the teams. They just, like I told them how to play their variation. There were other different variations of the game played in the 18th century in different parts of the country. New York, Philadelphia, Massachusetts. They all had their own versions. Okay. The New York variation essentially won out. It wasn't necessarily because it was the better game. It was probably something to do with the organization of a club. A member of that club then created more rules. He found more groups to play. It was like a collaborative effort between that club and other people who would want to play. So that's kind of how it grew. Interesting. There's a historian. He said, I think the New York game won out through superior public relations. Ah. 
he pointed out that in the Massachusetts version, you didn't have to stay on the base path when you were running. So you could so just, just run wherever? You could just run wherever. Oh, okay. The way it's quoted is you could lead your opponents on a merry chase into the outfields and beyond. Yeah. You could run anywhere as That's, long as you hit the There's base. a man still running from <laughs> second to third base, you know. He uh, he went off running and they couldn't catch him. And he's like, I'll get back eventually. I think they should, they should bring that rule back. I mean, how much more fun would it I, be? You know what? Maybe bring that rule back with the only sort of caveat being you have to stay within the foul line. So you can run anywhere on the field as long as you... Although I get, well, if you cross the foul line, you're out. That's when you're round and third, you cross the foul line. So, okay, yeah, you can run anywhere. So if you need right. to go get a hot dog, if you can make it up the steps quick yeah. enough, somebody's behind you and get back down. I feel like this is something they should do for like the All Star game because Ooh. a baseball is boring. Yes, it is. And b the All Star game is meaningless. Yes, it is. How cool would it be if they just threw in these goofy rules like that? Like you can hit the guy with the ball. Well, the winner of the All Star game gets home field advantage in the World Series. I think that. Yeah, that but that, no one cares about. That. I get what and you mean. Doesn't make any sense to do that. Yeah, but you know, baseball didn't really take off until people figured out that you can gamble on it. Like many things, the sport wasn't really worthy of press coverage until people started betting on it. Interesting. And it sort of grew along with betting. Of course, game fixing scandals. You know, obviously, you could approach a player and convince them to throw it for a percentage of the money. Like the notorious Black Sox. Yep, exactly. That was the one they cited. So Interesting. The earliest mention of baseball is from West Central Massachusetts in the 1750s. Man uh, goes running off, doesn't return, team loses. No, there was, there was one citation in 1735. I'm sorry. So There has no record in cities until at the earliest of 1805. Early equipment, they didn't have gloves or uniforms. There's actually a picture I saw of a guy. He's like holding up his bare hands to catch a ball. Oh. So, yeah, you just have to do that. Ugh. Uh, I, I feel like whoever invented the baseball glove was just tired of getting their hand broken. And the early gloves weren't that good either. Right. Well, it's probably the same with getting beaned with the ball to get out. Someone's probably like, can we stop <laughs> throwing? Can we just stop injuring each other? Can you just get it and just, like, tag me? And someone's like, come on, pussy, take the ball. <laughs> take it like a man. So that's the origin of baseball. There you go. Did you? There wasn't a whole lot else to it. So I did I did one other thing. You know what Knickerbocker means? No, I don't. I had to look that up because you got the the Knicks, the Knickerbockers. Right. Like, Knickerbocker seems to be this big, it's a name that if you're, you know, we, we have a Knickerbocker hotel out mm-hmm. here in, uh, in L.A., so apparently Knickerbocker at this point just means New Yorker. The Knickerbocker name comes from the pseudonym used by Washington Irving in his book, A History of New York, a name that became applied to the descendants of the original Dutch settlers of what later became New York. Knickerbocker means cake maker or something like that Okay. in Dutch. So <laughs> okay. that's what it means. Knickerbocker. I don't know. I just cool. always thought it meant something i thought i thought it i thought it was like a regional i don't know like a name for a guy like it just oh you're a knickerbocker i didn't i didn't think it was like a apparently it's a dutch thing so specifically for like a you know new yorker or a cake maker or whatever so that was all i had for baseball i did add one other thing before we got i looked up marble baker oh, okay the main other Sorry. thing that i was interested in was take me out to the ball game the song a classic yeah have you ever sang that to your kid? I sing that to my kids sometimes. I have not, but... We talked about lullabies and stuff. I sing that just because I'm like, what's another like simple song I know? <laughs> that I know the lyrics to? I just Yeah, that I know the lyrics to. Before you tell me, can I make a prediction as to where it came from? 
Uh, sure. Cracker Jack's marketing agency. That was what I thought, but no, you're you're not correct. It's kind of interesting. It was even more interesting than I expected. It was written in 1908 by lyricist Jack Norworth and composer Albert von Tilzer. The song was written as Norworth's ode to his girlfriend, Trixie Friganza, a famous vaudeville actress and suffragist and feminist. We actually have feminist history here. All right. Good for us. Norworth was also a well-known vaudeville performer and songwriter in his own right when he met Fraganza. He was actually already married at the time. Of course and he was. met Fraganza and left his, his wife. Yeah, why not? He was riding the subway through New York and he noticed a sign that said Baseball Today, Polo Grounds, and he wrote lyrics on the back of an envelope. He took it to Von Tilzer and they wrote the song. They hammered it out. They had a lot of competition for baseball songs, and I didn't know this. So this song basically conquered all. In 1908, when this was published, there were hundreds of songs about baseball that were published. Okay. Including the baseball polka and I've been making a grandstand play for you. Another fun tidbit is that Norworth and Tilzer had never attended a game when they registered a copyright for the song in 1908. Wow. So he wrote the whole thing and had just had never attended a baseball game. So the reason that it's considered to have this tie that the song was about his feminist suffragist girlfriend is that there are other verses in the song. There always are. The part we know is basically the chorus. The other verse talks about a character named Katie Casey. So it's a a woman. Okay. It is Katie Casey was baseball mad, had the fever and had it bad just to root for the hometown crew. Every Sue Katie blue on a Saturday, her young beau called to see if she'd like to go to see a show. But Miss Kate said, no, I'll tell you what you can do. Take me out to the ball game. And then it would go into that part. The other verse is Katie Casey saw all the games, knew the players by their first names, told the umpire he was wrong all along, good and strong. When the score was just two to two, Katie Casey knew what to do just to cheer up the boys. She knew she made the gang sing this song. Take me out to the ball game. What they're saying is that by featuring a woman named Katie Casey, who was baseball mad, saw all the games, knew the players' names, it tells the story of a woman operating and existing in what is traditionally a man's space, the baseball stadium. Katie Casey was knowledgeable about the sport. She was argumentative with the umpires, and she was standing, not sitting, in the front row. And she was essentially a new woman, powered, engaged, and living in a man's space. So historians believe that he wrote this for his his girlfriend. And there's other evidence, too. Her picture is on the front of the cover for the sheet music. So it says, take me out to the ballgame, and her picture is on the front of it. Interesting. It's clearly, yeah. I'm guessing she was a baseball fan, hopefully. I don't know. It seems like it was more about, you know, writing about her. She has a place. Because it was very male. I mean, obviously, everything is now even still, but. It was very male-dominated as, you know, to going to baseball. But I wonder and if if she was part of his inspiration, the fact that she may have been a... Yeah. She may have had. I don't know. I didn't read that. But funny enough, their romance ended before the song became oh. a regular feature in baseball. Yeah. So Norworth got divorced oh to be with her. Then on June 1908, about a month after the song was published, he married a co-star, I guess a vaudeville co-star, Nora Baez, mm. not Trixie. Sounds like a winner, so, this guy. Yeah, he moved He moved around quite a bit. And uh, what are we at? 90, 93 years of that song being around? It's said June of 1908? Yeah. So, wait, was, 97 years? 97 yeah. years? Isn't songs like 99 years, the copyright for songs? Oh, I don't know. So eventually it'll be in public domain. I think it's 99 years. Is it not currently in public domain? For songs, it's 99 years. I could be wrong. Maybe it's like written stuff. One of them is 99 years because I always thought that was weird. Let me... Hold on. I think it's... 99 songs on... Nine, oh, God damn it. 
<laughs> trying to do 99 yeah, bottles of terrible. beer. But... Okay, it looks like it was 95 years if it was protected prior to January 1st, 1978. And then after that, it's 70 years. So we're coming up on... Oh, no, we're past it. Oh, my God, I'm doing math all wrong. Oh, eight, so it's over 100 years. So Duh. it is public domain. 113 yeah. years ago, so it's public domain. Apparently, it was, wow, it, was, it was particularly popularized by Harry Carey in the 70s. Interesting. Right, I wonder he, if he just started playing it. He, yeah, he would start like yeah. leading people singing it in the seventh inning stretch. Interesting. Well, there you go. It's a rousing song. It's a good time. Yeah. Has some product placement in it. Yeah, Cracker Jacks. Have you ever eaten Cracker Jacks? Have I ever? Yeah. What? Yes. <laughs> That's just good. I mean, have I ever been to a baseball game under the age of like 12? Yeah, yeah I've had. I don't know. Maybe you'd be allergic to the right, Come on. To the you get a little, get a little sticker or piece of gum or shitty comic. Come on now. So that's baseball. You feel like you learned something? I do feel like I learned something. I agree, though. I think that the All-Star game should, every year should implement different old rules. Take yeah. a different original group of rules. and, and uh... They'd never do that just because baseball is like the least fun sport that's yeah. out there. It's I guess it's run by the least fun people. Probably. So they would probably never do that, but yeah. Okay. So, do you have any ideas of what you want to learn about next? I thought about surviving a earthquake or natural disasters. You know, I mean, it could be a little, a little okay. bit on each. How do you survive? A, what's the? What do you do if there's a fire? What do you do if there's a earthquake? What do you do if a tree falls down? You know, I don't know. I don't know. That's one. <laughs> if a tree falls, well, down. yeah, it could be a big tree. Yeah, as soon as we're done here, I'll Google what to do when tree falls down. There you go. I'm sure, I'll get a lot of helpful. The origin of the filibuster. It was Phil and Buster. Oh, how interesting! That makes so much sense now. All right. Well, I'm glad you learned something today. I did. I learned about baseball. And we'll we'll come up with something. We'll. I like it. I like learning. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. Adios. I think we talked about this. Have you read the play Art at all, or do you know it? We did talk about it. I think I cut all that out of it. <laughs> whatever episode that was soon. <laughs>